Hello, friends. It's Arlene Smith, Healing the Hearts in Healthcare. And if you're like me and you were drawn to the field of healthcare, you're probably thinking to yourself, if I listen to those quiet voices as to why I'm here, those ones that were imprinted on your heart and in your mind, because you're a caregiver and that caring is entwined in your DNA. And my journey actually as a caregiver started with the inspiration of my mother. See, my father was a shoe repairman. Actually, my father is a shoe repairman. He still works in his shop at 83 years of age. And I'm one of six children, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. But the truth of the matter is, to make ends meet, my mom worked as a nursing aide in a nursing home. And I still remember it like it was yesterday. She would line us all up as kids and say, today's the day we're going to go visit the residents in our nursing home. We're visiting my residents. Like she was so proud. And we would line up in front of this old two-tone station wagon. All of her kids, before we were allowed to go in, my mother would say to all of us, now, let me go through the rules And it was great because my mother knew we were children, and she had to prepare us. And she would say to us, you're going to go into this nursing home, and you're going to meet people, and they're going to want to hug on you, and they're going to want to love you. And even though they're strangers, they're not really strangers to you, because I talk about you every single day. And she would say, you're going to meet this wonderful man named John. And John served in the war. And John doesn't have a leg. And when you approach John, I don't want you to look at the leg. I want you to look at the man. And she would say, and you're going to meet this great man, Frank. And Frank lost his arm in a work accident. And in his place, he has a metal claw. So she said, I don't want you to be scared of it. I want you to remember, look at the man. Don't look at the hand. And there are so many times I think about what my mother was trying to do in those messages around care. And what I realize is she recognized that repetition was key. It was so important to teach us not to look at people's limitations, but to look at them as human beings. And so that was the earliest parts of my journey through care. And both my sister and I are registered nurses. And I spent over 15 years working in the hospital setting as a per diem nurse and well over 25 years working in the healthcare industry and leadership. But I had this very simple call to action, which was back in 2020, I had this feeling placed on my heart that I should return to senior care. Now, I have to say, and I have to admit, when I was 14 years old, I went into a nursing home program as a candy striper. And you're probably thinking, what is a candy striper? This was back in the 80s, and I did it with my best friend, Dawn. And we went in a nursing home as volunteers. And it was a big program back then. I mean, you had to get references and you had to actually make sure that you were a person of good character because you were going into a community, into a center, and you were helping out. 
You were doing activities. You were keeping people company. Maybe we would we would help people navigate from the dining room back to their bedroom at night. And Dawn and I had such great time. And I would have thought back then, spending all that time in a nursing home, that's where my journey would have began. But no, it's where my journey ended. I was called back in. And who would have known at that time that that is where my story would begin with COVID? You see, what I've learned in this world is to be true, that the pandemic changed everything for all of us in healthcare. I mean, those experiences, that all of that work that we had as caregivers, it changed who we are. I often refer to that period as the great sadness because I've talked to so many people and that is how they feel. The pandemic had an incredible toll on who we were as caregivers. And this recognition that we need healing from those experiences. And if we don't heal the hearts of our caregivers so that they can continue to do the great work that they can do, then what is to become of our world? And the truth of the matter is, as caregivers, the work that we do, it is soul-filling, purposeful work. Something beautiful happens when you provide care to another human being and a soul in a time of need. And think about it. With our elders so many times, there's so much fear associated with aging, and this is why they're such a vulnerable population. It's sometimes why they become the forgotten population. But the truth of the matter is, every single person in this world deserves to receive care in the way that it's meant for them, because they are a unique individual. They deserve dignity, and they deserve respect, and they deserve caregivers who are able to provide that care. And that is based on the resident's choice. But resident's choice was so challenging during COVID because of our regulations required that we did certain things that weigh on the hearts of our souls and mind. I think about these experiences often. And I actually journaled all through my experiences in long-term care, including my time during COVID, where I wrote pen to paper how I was left to feel. When everybody in this world was celebrating because they had extra time at home to discover all different types of hobbies that they wanted, that they loved to do, or they were working out on their Peloton or baking or having fun with their children. It was the healthcare workers, right? We were considered the heroes. And very quickly, we went from feeling like heroes to feeling like zeros. Because the truth of the matter is, when we cared for those older population of residents, there were so many times when overnight people forgot what that was like for people to be isolated overnight away from their family, away from those people that they loved so much. And very quickly, the public became very critical of many things that were happening during that time. Again, I call that the great sadness because the reason for this podcast is very simple. Our healthcare workers 
well, their hearts need healing as well. And the sector experienced such a tremendous change in the fact that overnight, the workforce was affected by reduction. Because let's not forget, there was such an emotional toll and a physical toll that went into providing care. And overnight, I was that very experienced nurse who had to wonder, I don't know how to provide this level of care to keep people safe. And we were all doing things like leveraging our social media and Facebook to try to understand what is the best way to provide this care. And as I grow older, I'm always impressed with how funny our minds work and how so often sometimes through re-experiencing trauma, these images will pop up almost like we're replaying these old memories like a movie. So I know firsthand those feelings of how you probably feel as a healthcare worker, right? You're probably sitting there thinking, I don't want to remember and recall those memories. And I get it. I don't want to, too. So if you're on the verge of burnout and you've lost hope and you're sitting there thinking, I don't know what that future looks like. I don't know how to go back to those pre-COVID days where I could bring love and joy and laughter. Join me on this journey of self-discovery and self-reflection, and self-compassion, because you will be motivated to say goodbye to those feelings, those memories, and to welcome in that renewed space this beautiful place for growth and healing and transformation. It's time for you to have hope. It's time for you to get inspired. It's time for you to be transformed and to take action. Because I would challenge you, it's time to start healing your own heart. Because the pandemic forced all of us to second guess ourselves. I mean, we all had these gifts and talents and overnight, all of that suddenly changed. And I kept a journal during this entire journey because I wanted to be able to look back at a later time to be able to think about those experiences and to be able to use those experiences in self-reflection to think about how I could use those as inspirational messages. Because I remember those days like they were yesterday. And I keep thinking as an experienced nurse who went through this, how must it have been for those that were just starting out? And the truth of the matter is, is nobody can understand when you show up to work what type of burden and struggle you are carrying with you every single day. And that also weighs down on your soul. And when I think about my journal, and I'm going to share today an entry at the beginning of the pandemic of how it made me feel, I want you to also have that same feeling, to really think about how those experiences have might have changed and impacted your life. So I want to read you from a time in my journal, um, I have it here, how I was left to feel. And again, I want you to know this, that I worked in a small community. It was a very small community in long-term care. It was a nursing home by traditional means. 
But I also want you to understand from that perspective that for the first four months, five months of COVID, we were able to keep that COVID out of our center. We only had that experience come in when we brought a resident in from another nursing home that was flooded with COVID. So I want to read this journal entry because I want to set the stage and I want you to understand how this experience affected everybody because we all work so hard to keep that out. And then having that weigh down on your heart can be something that is deeply impactful. So here's what my my entry was in that session. I think I got a solid five and a half hours of sleep last night. I actually woke up feeling quite good and I felt ready. I can do this. It's just another 16 hours of my shift. And I spent my drive into work listening to music, trying to fill up my soul. And I was thinking as I show up to work, this is going to be a good day. And when I walked in the front door, I learned that three of our CNAs that were on the schedule for the day had called out. That means we only had three CNAs to provide care. And I'm struggling to understand how long I can do this. Because the physical toll that this pandemic is having on my body is just so tough. But I was so blessed to learn that all of the evening shift CNAs decided to stay a bit longer just to help us all get the residents dressed and up for the day. And I immediately spring into action. I start doing my med pass. I'm, I'm delivering breakfasts to residents' rooms. I'm helping residents and assisting them with meals. And it's something that I'm trying to find is that joy because I'm noticing that the residents aren't interested in eating anymore. Many of them have even forgotten how to eat. So I have to take that time out to provide support to them as a nurse to assist them with eating. Because if I don't do it, who will? I also notice another resident doesn't want to get out of the bed except to use the bed bathroom. She just wants to get back into bed. She seems depressed. And I write a note in my 24-hour log to say, that can we look at her medications? I'm worried about her. And I know lunch is here. And I'm thinking to myself, how can I help fit all of this in? I still have treatments to do and medications to administer. And I decide I'm going to continue to press on. I will get it all done. And I naturally do. And I restock my cart for that 3 to 11 shift. And again, I think, oh, no. Those same CNAs that called out and couldn't be here today, they're on the 3 to 11 shift. But I'm happy to learn that a supervisor, another supervisor comes in to help out with the night shift. And I think, this is good. But then I also notice that residents who don't want to feed themselves and residents that are experiencing isolation, they're seeing that they don't want to have anyone around them, and they're prevented from being in their rooms. And so I find another resident 
who has, I notice in her room, she has all of these religious signs in her room. And I say to her, do you want me to pray with you? And she says, yes, please. And I'm not sure how to pray with her, but I just open up my heart and I say to her, please help this resident. I know that nothing is impossible without the support of another person. And I know that she is lonely. And I know that you're going to help. And you're going to provide her with solace and comfort. And I say to her, amen. And she takes her arms and she puts it up to my cheek and she just says, thank you. And as I tuck her into bed and I walk from the room, I notice in myself that I have a single tear that's slipping down my cheek because I'm thinking in my mind, how can we help all of these people that are now left alone? And one of the agency nurses who's working alongside of me says, did you hear our new resident who joined us now has COVID? And I think to myself, oh my and I watch as all the staff start to decompensate. The CNA who was providing care to that resident, she begins to break out in tears and says, I don't think I can do this work anymore. And other CNAs start to break down. And then I think immediately, has someone called the supervisor to let her know? But very thoughtfully, someone says, let's wait till she gets home and she's not driving to let her know. And I think, how are we going to carry on? How are we going to do this great work? And I'm not 100% sure if I even can do this. But one thing that I do know is that these residents, it's going to change for them overnight. And I share this, this story because I think so much about the aftermath. And the truth of the matter is, for that resident, Fortunately, we were able to contain that to that one resident who was in isolation for that 14 days, and it never spread in our community for another five months. And so there was hope. But the truth of the matter is, the regulations were carrying on all of us, because every single week, there were things that we were forced to do, things that we were forced to do with testing of all the residents that carried on that on all of our souls. And overnight, I was that experienced nurse who was left to think, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to provide care. And very quickly, I saw the impact of that, which was, 35 pounds later and several months later of having too much to eat and self-medicating through maybe too many glasses of wine, right? That's where the reality of that set in. And I want to remind you, as I look at our world right now, I see that people have lost hope, right? If you just look around us, we can see that there are it's very hard to find the people that are caring for people. And I always think about Mr. Rogers when he reminded us, when the world is at its worst, look for the people that are caring for people and surround yourselves around those people. 
So I reach out to all of you because we need to care for one another. We need to heal our hearts together so that we can provide that great care to other people. And we can do better. We're caregivers. And listen, we're designed to provide care to other people. So we have to go on this journey together. And when I think about my entire nursing career, when I think about the time that I spent all the years as a nurse in a hospital setting, I knew back then how important it was to make sure that I was growing and I was learning constantly. So every couple of years, I decided to change nursing professions because I felt that that was the best way for me to make sure that I wasn't becoming complacent. I remember the first job that I had in nursing. In fact, my preceptor worked on the same unit, and she proudly said, for 15 years. But with that came a lot of feelings of her saying, you know what? This is the way it happens around here because it's always been that way. And I never wanted to be that person. I always wanted to see the beauty and the joy of being able to connect with people and to provide amazing care. That's what, what brought me into nursing. It's what I needed to stay in nursing. And I remember now when I'm looking back, when I worked as an oncology nurse and I talked to an oncologist and I said, you know, as a new oncology nurse, what would be those words of wisdom that you would give a new nurse? And he said, always give hope because without hope, people have nothing to live for. And I remember having my preceptors and my dear nursing uh, peers who were oncology nurses who reminded me in the busyness of what we do, we have to find moments where we slow down, where we take time out to hold a hand or support someone that's going through treatment. Those are the things that left, left lasting impressions. And I also remember my days working in the emergency room in trauma which was the scariest thing I ever did as a nurse because it's unpredictable and it's unknown. And for so many of us, that can be terrifying and frightening. But I also remember the power of teamwork. And there were so many times where a trauma would happen in the middle of the night and so many of the staff, the doctors and the nurses would need to go in the back bays to deal with two traumas that were happening or multiple traumas that were happening at the same time. And the people that left were meant to carry the, 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 all of the patients in the emergency room and their care. And the only way we got through those moments was working together as a team. And what I've learned in my career when it comes to nursing is you can do anything when it comes to being around people. Because some of the best preceptors and nurses that I ever surrounded myself with were people that understood that there's great power in this sense of team. And they have a special place in my heart as a result of that. But what I've learned is that the great sadness has taught us as people, as caregivers, is that there's incredible power 
in the human spirit to survive and to overcome. And I want to believe that we have the power within to rewrite and retake those, those pictures that keep replaying in our memories and rewrite and change that narrative, especially when those memories flood back in during very unpredictable times. I mean, I tell people all the time, I could be walking in a supermarket with my list of items that I'm looking for, and all of a sudden, I will be triggered by a memory during COVID, and it will stop me dead in my tracks, and I will start feeling this heaviness in my heart and this sense of anxiety and panic that comes within. But what I also know to be true is there's incredible power when we learn how to forgive ourselves and when we learn how to heal from within. Again, I'm going to remind you, every single one of us comes to this earth with burden and struggle. It just looks different for different people. And so I'm here to tell you, it's time to unburden your heart. It's time to live the life you were meant to live. You are a caregiver. You were meant to care for others. And that's what I love about nursing when I think about it, because we have this incredible power when we start thinking at it at a very high level of being adaptable and flexible because there's so much unpredictability when it comes to caring for people. And I think that's where we get into trouble as nurses sometimes and as caregivers because we want everything to be a certain way because we want to be able to provide care in a way that it's easier to us in the delivery of that care. But the truth of the matter is those experiences that happen to us are meant to happen to us so that we can look inward and we can self-reflect and we can really think about what are those messages that we're supposed to be getting. You know, I think about this one resident when I was working at our nursing home and we had those call outs and I wanted to pitch in as a nurse and I wanted to help deliver the trays to each of the residents' rooms. And again, residents went overnight from being able to engage in communal dieting and being able to engage in having conversations with one another with being having to being in their rooms with the doors closed. Imagine what that was like overnight for those that were no longer able to have visits with their family. And the only moments that we we had were through a mask and PPE and gowns. And overnight, we were yelling and shouting at the top of our lungs because our residents couldn't see our mouths anymore. They couldn't understand what we were trying to do. And some of them are residents that were suffering and living with dementia They didn't understand that they could no longer get those big hugs and that we could hold on to them and fill them up. And instead, we were recoiling away because that is what we were told to do. And so that weighs a very 
heavy burden on our lives. And for some of you, I recognize that that love for caring for people, that compassion, that feeling that never leaves your soul was slowly pulled away. And I keep saying it. I feel like personally, there were times in my career in nursing during the great sadness where I felt like there were layers of my heart that were stripped away one piece at a time. And there were these empty spaces which were left with a great sadness. And wherever I went and tried to escape to, I couldn't help but have them replaced with those feelings of sadness. And so the one thing that I will tell you is uh, that I've learned in my life is stress can take out many different ways, can, can come out in so many different ways, right? It forms in so many different ways. It changes the way we look at our world. It changes the way we engage with one another. But we can still take lessons. And I spent a lot of time post-COVID looking inward, really searching, trying to find those answers. And the thing that I learned most is the most beautiful thing as humans is we can learn from the history of the people that came before us. There has always been suffering and there has always been experiences where people feel conflicted right? We always have had those experiences. We can look back over history and time and see that people had those experiences. I mean, all I need to do is listen back to when I was a young girl and I listened to the stories of my grandmother who emigrated here with her family from Poland. And during the Great Depression, they lost everything. I mean, my grandmother, and I think of those experiences of her telling me we had all of these homes and farms, and overnight we were digging in other people's garbage, right, because we had nothing, and how that imprinted into her mind and traveled through the course of her life as a young girl. And so that's our call to action because we have to deal with the great sadness, We have to deal with the pain and suffering, and we have to find new ways to look at that. Because if we don't, we run the risk that we will flee from the only thing that we know we were born to do, which is to provide care to other people. That is why we're here. Because in that exchange, there is such beauty we fill we get filled up as we fill people up and that gives us the fuel for the next day and in the toughest of times in the hardest times we have to remember that that is what we're here to do and so i cracked open a book that i had read many years ago And I am sad to say that my original copy of this book, I lent to somebody 
and they gave it away. So you might find my copy somewhere because it was donated. Um, and if so, it will have my name in the cover and scribbled along the sides of it lots and lots of notes when I originally read this book because it had such meaning to me. It was so beautifully written, and I just felt that there was a message in here. And so I felt it was timely, and I wanted to actually share that message with all of you because I think it's so important. And this is the work of Viktor Frankl in Man's Search for Meaning. I think there's so much to be said in this work because for those of you, you that don't know, this book has been around for a very long time. It's inspired people for decades. And what I love about this story is Viktor Frankl was a physician who found his way in a concentration camp. And the story is full of so many different stories of how he helped himself get through the day to day in the times of suffering. And I think in those messages, there are messages for all of us. So I want to share a small passage from his book. And this is on page 36 of his book, and I'm going to share this. So Victor says in this book, in spite of all of the enforced physical and mental primitiveness of the life in a concentration camp, it was possible for spiritual life to deepen. Sensitive people who were used to a rich intellectual life may have suffered much pain but the damage to their inner selves was less. They were able to retreat from their terrible surroundings to a life of inner riches and spiritual freedom. Let me tell you what happened on one of those early mornings. We stumbled on in the darkness over the big stones and through large puddles along the one road leading from the camp. The accompanying guards kept shouting at us and driving us with the butts of their rifles. Anyone with very sore feet supported himself on his neighbor's arm. Hardly a word was spoken. The icy wind did not encourage talk. Hiding his mouth behind his upturned collar, the man marching next to me whispered suddenly, if our wives could only see us now. I do hope they are better off in the camps and do not know what is happening to us. That brought thoughts of my own wife to mind. And as we stumbled on for miles, slipping on icy spots, supporting each other time and time again, dragging one another up and onward, nothing was said, but we both knew each of us were thinking of our wives. Occasionally, I looked at the sky where the stars were fading and the pink light of the morning was beginning to spread beyond a dark bank of clouds. But my mind clung to my wife's image, imagining it with an uncanny acuteness. I heard her answering me. I saw her smile, her frank and encouraging look. Real or not, her look was then more luminous than the sun, which was beginning to rise. A thought transfixed me. If 
For the first time in my life, I saw the truth as it's set into song by so many poets, proclaimed as the final wisdom by so many thinkers. The truth that love is the ultimate and the highest goal to which a man can aspire. I understand how a man who has nothing left in this world still may know bliss, be only for a brief moment in the contemplation of his beloved. And in a position of utter desolation, when man cannot express himself in positive action, when his only achievement may consist in enduring his sufferings in the right way, an honorable way. In such a position, man can, through loving contemplation of the image he carries of his beloved, achieve fulfillment. And for the first time in my life, I was able to understand the meaning of the words, the angels are lost in perpetual contemplation of infinite glory. And I love how Victor equates this visualization of our beloved, someone that we love during these tremendous times of suffering as our ability to push ourselves forward, to create a new narrative. And he says, they're like the angels, that they've been put in a place that there is this immeasurable state of splendor that's associated with it. So what if we were to do the same? I mean, think about it. What if we were in providing the care that we have, that we tap into the way we deliver care? is like we were delivering it to someone that we love. How could that transform the way an individual receives care? Because we all know if we were providing care to those people that we loved, it would be extraordinary. We would be filled up because we're exchanging this beautiful sense of love. But in the end, the truth of the matter is we are on all on this earth. And as I love to quote my dear friend, Veronica Barber, we are all here in life school learning life lessons. And I love that because this is so true. The truth of the matter is we must accept that people are meant for people. And we have to think about that state of where we give to one another. Because in the end, together, we can do so much together that we could never do alone. We could find these beautiful moments of joy where we could never see that again. We could experience happiness and joy in those moments when we're exchanging with one another. And that's what I noticed when I read Viktor Frankl's work. And I'm hoping in this podcast that you will be inspired. You will look inward and search inside yourself and remind yourself, because if I can help you 
connect your passion to your purpose in this earth, which is to care for those that desperately need your care. If I can help remind you of what that means to the individual who's receiving that care, and in that beautiful, beautiful transformation of providing care, that you are transformed into something different, that you can experience healing of your heart, and that you can learn how to leverage many of these things we've learned from our history and practice through self-care. And I'm talking about mind, I'm talking about body, and I'm talking about spirit. In this podcast and in future podcasts, we are going to explore this journey together. We're going to look into history. We're going to look into those different methods of healing that so many have done before us to get through difficult times of suffering. And whether that's you receiving these short video clips where they are intended to be inspirational to make you remember why you're doing this great work. So in the 15 minutes that you have in the car ride in, you need to build up your spirit again to have the courage and the faith to do great work. Well, that's what we will do. But more importantly, my greatest hope for all of you is that this will reignite your passion and purpose. And it will help you learn that the energy that is swirling around all of us can be used by you to get you to where you need to be, which is that healer. You are a healer. That is what you were meant to do. It's why you're not working on Wall Street, and it's why you're doing the great work that you're doing. Not that working on Wall Street is something that isn't admirable. Of course it's admirable. But we have to understand that we're on this earth to show our talents and our skills and our gifts and to learn them and to take them to new levels so that when we our time on this earth is over, we can look back and say, well done. We did good. So part of my narrative in all of this suffering that is in these journals is really just a reminder that that work that I was charged to do, there was a purpose there. And that purpose is to bring healing to all of you. So I hope you join me in future podcasts. And let me just tell you, if you don't hear it enough, and I know you don't, because we live in a world where none of us hears it enough, thank you for all you do every single day. See, you make a choice every day to be that caregiver to provide care, to slow down your pace, and to have meaning in your life, to recognize this exchange between human beings when a time that someone needs it, you are there to provide it. And you deserve all of the praise and all of the glory because that is not easy to do. But I'm going to remind you 
with that responsibility is an incredible opportunity for you to continue onward and for you to heal that space in your heart, as I like to call the great sadness, and to replace it again with laughter, with love, and with moments of joy. Because that is what our world needs now more than ever. And we need people to rise up and to have the courage to do that and to bring people together. Because if not you, then who? Thank you, everybody. I look forward to seeing you on another podcast. And thank you for all you do. Goodbye.